Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. It is 132 in Edmonton. Want to tell you. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation, the Mediterranean chicken. Brendan Escott's recommendation, the Texan. They're both awesome. Our next guest is a pretty awesome guy as well. He is an Edmonton sporting icon, very popular former uh, Edmonton Oilers player, now Montreal-based media personality. He joins us every Thursday on Oilers Now. Hello, George LaRock. How are you doing? I'm awesome, Bob. How's everything? Good. Yeah. How? Just just uh, for an update, because you did have COVID back in the spring, uh, and it's still the number one story on the planet. You know that. Are you? Are you? Do you have any long? Are you feeling any long-term effects at all, George? No. It took, uh, I was in the hospital for two days, and after that, I was fine. Um, I was taking some uh, natural products, and uh, I was doing some breathing exercise also to. Uh, clear up my lungs as fast as I could. And three days after I was gone from the hospital, I was running on my treadmill at home because I was on confinement. And I was able to run, no problem, running for my marathon. So, uh, no, things were good. I think, Bob, that uh, a lot has to do also with, with you know, your, your positive outcome. Because when you're sick, but if you, there's so many things that we're hearing out there. I wasn't scared of anything. Uh, you know, I knew I was going to be okay. Uh, I knew I was healthy, so you know when you when you're positive in an outcome, when you're sick, it's always easier to fight through it than when you're all scared and you don't move around, you don't do anything, right? And me, you know me, my outcome of life is always so positive that I knew that there was going to take way more than this virus to take me down. Yeah, well, and it's uh, you know I don't, I, my heart goes out to anybody that's been affected by COVID right now, uh, either directly or perhaps indirectly in terms of the, the workforce. It's a very challenging time, and uh, lots of people have lots of different perspectives on it. Uh, one of the areas that, that that's hurting, obviously, George, you know, you have uh, you you've got people in private industry that are uh, struggling right now. I got I got told that. 
I-U-O-E, local 955, at one point had lost almost 50% of their uh, work uh, when the pandemic first hit. They have rebounded well. So so even, you know, unionized people have lost some jobs along the way. Uh, but as a result, there, there's a challenge for the charities out there. And I know that charities are something that are near and dear to your heart as well. But there's a lot of people that just simply don't have the same opportunity to... Uh, to, to donate or, or give uh, as they have in past years because of the pandemic because they don't have the money they gotta they gotta live you know what I'm saying George yeah but you know the, there's so many right now uh, you know I know that a lot of people are looking at uh, you know the everyday life thinking that how many things are closed down but there is a lot of charity right now that are closed down that they can't help out people they can't feed homeless people they can't do anything because because of this crisis they're closed down they, they're not getting any funds in the public fund because people are getting their job cut, cut down so then they can't afford to give out money and stuff. And then they can't have homeless people to come and go to certain areas. So it's been hard on a lot of people. And, and if, if you look at each other in the mirror and you realize how hard this, this whole thing is, just realize that there's people that are in a worse position than you are. And that's why we have to be thankful the position that we're in and we have to try to help out people as much as we can. George, do you have, I mean, you did a lot of volunteering for charities. Sometimes you didn't always know 100%, like, hey, I'll show up for this thing, but, you know, because you wanted to lend your hand to it. Other times you were, uh, uh, you know, right in there. Do you have a couple of favorite uh, sort of charity-related stories from your involvements over the years? Yes, I do. I have one that, that I really want to share with the, the listeners that is one of the sweet, because you, everybody knows that our charitable for our charity for me was so important and how I did every, every year I did the Monday morning magic on Klondike days and it was always a special time. But my favorite time um, that I want to share with everyone and, and, and I hope that, that what I'm going to say is going to inspire. If someone is listening and somebody is in a position that could have an impact or if one day you become in a position that, you know, you're professional and you have a platform, hopefully this story is going to inspire you to do more, uh, and, and more charitable stuff to see the impact that you could have. It was, uh, it was a story about Jordan Clem that I want to tell you guys about. Have I ever told you this one, Bob? I don't think you've just, you certainly have not told it on the air. Okay. Okay. So this story is that I was in uh, I was in Cal- uh, when I was playing Edmonton. I went to Calgary for uh, for vacation, and I know it's uh, it's kind of insane to say that when you play in Edmonton to go to Calgary for a vacation. But I went there to join a friend of mine that lived in Calgary, so that's why I had to go there because I would never pick Calgary for a vacation since I'm an Edmontonian. But I had to meet somebody there. So when I got to Calgary, I got a phone call from a nurse because the nurse at the story. They have my phone number, and I always told them, if a kid wants to see me, call me, and I'm gonna, just going to go there. So I just gave out my number to the nurse at the salary, and I would go there often to do uh, hospital visits. And when I just arrived in Calgary, a nurse calls me, and she's like, George, uh, we have this kid. Uh, his name is Jordan Klein. He has muscular dystrophy, and he has... Uh, he only has a couple hours to live, so uh, he, he loved you and he loves you, and he'd lo- uh, it'd be awesome uh, if you could come and, and meet him before he passed away, and his whole family was there. So I was in Calgary, and I checked out right away because I checked in the hotel when I got the call, and I drove back from Calgary to Edmonton and, and as fast as I could. I made it an hour and a half. 
uh, I knew Angel was going to guide me when I was going to be on the highway because I was like, I got to get there before it's too late. When I arrive at the hospital, Jordan Clem is laying on his bed, and I and I and and I go see him, hug him. His whole family's there, and people are kind of like crying and, and tears, obviously because it was the last moment. I think the priest was even there, and uh, I go there and I talk to him, and and I couldn't make him laugh. Like like I make him laugh a bit, even though he's in pain, and 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 it's you know when you go in a room like this, I've done it so many times, but you have to try to find a way to to get the atmosphere positive, the atmosphere good. You have to find a way that, that, that you don't act like, you don't feel sorry for him. You try to make him smile so they forget that in his last moment, you were able to make him smile. And I know it's an easy thing to say and hard things to do, but I got so used to, to do so many visits that I was good at that. So I'm there and I see everybody and, and I stay there for about, I don't know, I think 45 minutes. And when I leave, I hug everyone and I said, you know, strength with you and, and all those kind words. And I leave. So a week later, a week later, there's an article that came out in, in a journal and I still have that article. It, it was in the, in the journal, they used to take, uh, I don't know if they still do it, taking letters from the public. The aunt of Jordan Clam, she wrote a letter on the journal, and what she said in it, and she talked about an angel that visited uh, her, her nephew or, or grandson uh, a week ago, and she's talking about me, that can visit him at the hospital, and even though um, they were expecting to pass away that day, because of that visit, she said that we got him a week later. They got him a week more because the boost, the immune, like, what happened is when you go visit somebody that is sick, right, you know those lines in a machine that goes up and down, that goes slowly and slowly? When I visit him, like, it kind of moves more because, you know, he's excited, right? Well, there's no, just because a simple visit from a hockey player that push a puck for a living, that simple visit boosts the immune system that they got him for a week more because they weren't ready to see him leave that day. And that shows you that the impact that professional players could have on kids is bigger than any medication or any machine that it could be plugged into. At that moment, when I read that, I was in tears because, you know, it, just the impact of that visit, I never knew the impact it was going to have because so many times we have visits, we don't know what that does. We go there, we see kids, we sign autographs, and we leave. It leaves an impact. And I want people to realize with this story that the impact that athletes could have, and not just athletes, anyone could have by helping out others, people, helping kids, because kids are their future tomorrow. You never know the impact you could have until you do it and stuff, because I got to know it at that time, and that's why I decided to do more and more charity work. Uh, after that story, I did so much charity work, Bob, that I remember even the others, they had to warn me to stop because they said I was doing too much and they gave me even a cutoff time before playoff because they said I did too much and it was not good enough because my number one job is hockey. Have you ever heard of a guy like getting told to stop to do charity work? And even when I got to Montreal, they assigned somebody to do charity work for me because I was my schedule was busy five, six times a week that would do different causes while I was playing there to try to make a difference. And all that Bob was because of that story with Jordan Clem that I yep. felt that it was a, that, that, that it was something that I had to do. And couple couple a year ago in Edmonton, I actually met 
his brother or his cousin, and he thanked me, and he uh, in Emmett, and I saw him again. He told me about that story again, and it's such a small world, and he was thanking me because I told that story a couple times because I always wanted to inspire people to do more, you know, with the persona or if you have a platform. You know, other than just collecting your paycheck and be the richest guy in the cemetery, do yeah. something with the platform that you have, you know, to, to be a difference in uh, today's world, today's society. So that's why I wanted to share that with our listeners, with people, to know that even though you don't always know the impact, as hard as it could be sometimes to do good deeds sometimes, there's always a return. There's always something that's going to, someone's going to benefit from it, and it's so important to give away, to, to yeah. give and help. You know, George, I know, and it's, I, I, come to think of it, I think you did a number of years ago, and we used to be at the other place, and you'd come in a studio for an hour. I know you relayed that story. Uh, and, and, and I always give credit, as, especially to younger players, like I cannot imagine, like as an adult, and maybe it's different because I'm a parent now, but it's, I, I do find those sort of situations, um, you know, very, very challenging. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to ask you about this, like, I know for a fact there have been times where you've got guys that are feeling sorry for themselves as players. Maybe they're they're not playing well. They're in a bit of a slump. Maybe they're scratched. And you used to drag guys along, didn't you, sometime to go do hospital visits? Always. I always did that because, you know, like, at the end of the day, when we're hockey players and we're having – sometimes we're having tough tough time, right? Tough, tough day. It's hard and it's difficult. Every time I bring players with me to the hospital, what that would do is it would bring them back to perspective. What are we whining about? We had a tough game. The coach is on you. The fans is on you. The media is on you. Those kids that are fighting for their life in the hospital, are you kidding me? So often when I brought people with me there, it would give them energy. It would help them realize how lucky they are, the place that we're in. Because there's a kid that you're seeing that would rather be in your spot fighting on the ice to try to win other than fighting for his own life. And that's why often I've always done that. Like I would bring guys along with me and I did so many charity work. I try to get involved and sometimes guys would and, and sometimes they wouldn't. But it's not something you could force on someone because, you know, there's so many times that when we did hospital visits, I saw guys that didn't want to be there. And when they don't want to be there, you could tell that, that you know, the kids could see, they could sense your energy if you want to be there or not, right? Right. And also, it's not something that you could also cheat, teach. It's, it's so easy to, it's so hard to say. Me, I was inspired. One of my first year, I was inspired because one time I did an hospital visit with Doug Waite when I was a rookie. And we came into this room, and I was a rookie, and, and that kid had no idea who I was. And they're like, who's this big black kid? But they knew Doug Waite. And Doug Wade, right away when he saw Doug Wade, it was like, wow, and he embraced him, and, and it was a special moment for him. And I was like, man, I hope one day I become a regular with the Oilers and I could have an impact like Doug Wade did. Because in my first year, I was up and down. I think I only played 12 games that year, and it happened that we, there was an hospital visit when I was up, and I did it, but nobody knew who I was. But thankfully, I became regular, and, and I could have an impact with kids when I saw them. And, and it was awesome, but it's just that Bob that you know, I think that for every professional athlete, it's a duty we have to give out to children because if we have a platform like this, there's a reason for it. It's not, it's not just to be entertainers for people that love watching the game, but it's also to make a difference uh, for, for the kids, for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the charity, because we can, because we have this platform and we have to use it, and it's so important to do so. And it's awesome to see that there's more and more players that are doing it, that are using it uh, for good, because at the end of the day, Bob, 
myself, maybe not everybody thinks like that, but I'm going to respect the player's career way more about what he did off the ice than what he did on the ice. Because what you do on the ice, you know, because of talent and because of so many reasons, you're there, you made it. Awesome. But you know what? What defined a human being is not how many goals that you scored. It's not how many lives that you've touched while you had the opportunity to do so. And that's the most important thing to do because we have to be thankful the position that we're in and we have to give out. And it's part, it should be part of the work of being a professional athlete. And that's also why I wanted to talk about it and inspire people if uh, they're listening to this message. All right, George, we're going to switch a little bit of focus here. Great job. Uh, we had Joel Ward on the show earlier today. He's uh, joined Manny Viverosa's staff. He's going to be an assistant coach in the American Hockey League. Manny was on the Oilers staff for a year, was the head coach in Spokane and Swift Current in the WHL, coached Austria in the Olympics with Rob Dom, uh, and uh, Joel played for Rob Dom in Houston. Um uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, Chris Stewart, was part of that group. He's now working as a development coach. Uh, Joel Ward's going into coaching. You know, you're 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 a, a, a black a former black player yourself. You're working in media. What does it mean uh, for for guys like Chris and Joel to get the? And I'm not surprised either guys doing it. Uh, especially Joel. I always thought Joel would get into coaching. But what, is, what, what do you think it means that we're starting to see, you know, uh, former black NHL players getting those opportunities? Well, hockey, as we know, is always known as a white man's sport. And it's still known as a white man's sport today. There's often parents that, are, that came from the South. Uh, the children, when they look at sport on TV or anything, they don't think of hockey because they don't see enough role models. Because they don't see enough role models, they, 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 right away they think of racism and they think it's not a sport for the, for the kids and also hockey is so expensive. Because of that, unfortunately, hockey, is, I think it's number, it, it's way down the list in the most popular sports in the States. And because of that, there's not enough TV revenues from the States. If you look at the NFL, each team gets about $300 million for TV revenues per team, and just that pays the payroll for the team. So the NHL try to grow the game, but to grow the game, you have to show that the game is for everyone. To show that the game is for everyone, you have to include more minorities. More minorities are, are like, uh, get interested in the NHL, more are going to watch, the higher the rating is going to be in the state, the more money the league is going to make. So now with the movement and everything that's been going on with the COVID, the good thing about this is because of everything that happened, the movement and the march and everything that Black Lives Matter, now people are starting to get it. If you want to grow the sport, you have to show inclusion. You have to give opportunities to color people. So then the kids and the parents that see that they see like, oh, they're opening up. Oh, now they're showing it for everyone. And now they're going to be more comfortable putting their kids into hockey. And then minorities will get more interested into it. And then that way, things are going to change. With time, it's going to get better. So it's a good step in the right direction. And I'm not just talking about also minority, uh, Bob, and I'm also talking about women. Because I look at Chicago Blackers that hired a woman, uh, you know, development coach. Equality is not just for color. It's also for gender. And right now in the society that the world we're, we're in with everything that is going on, there's a fight for it, for equality. And now teams are taking a step forward to show that they're in, they're in this fight for equality and they're making all the right steps in the right uh, direction to show that, you know what, we're going to be part of the solution. And I applaud them for that. That's awesome that they're doing it. 
And uh, that, that's the way to go because you're showing the world the example and how great of an organization that you are when you're taking that step in, the, in that right direction. George, we're going to bang off some text here. Don, the electrician, says, Bob, George is a beautiful man. Uh, more text coming in. Mark says, it's absolutely no wonder to me why George LaRock is so loved wherever he puts down roots. The man is all class and heart. And we got lots of texts like that. Another texter says out of Edmonton, George LaRock just gets it. And uh, there you go. That's We got, George, we probably got 60 to 80 texts that have come in. So thank you for sharing us that with that perspective on charities. Next week, we'll talk a little hockey, all right? We'll get you uh, your look at the tops, uh, how you think the Canadian division is going to shake down when, when we have you on next Thursday, okay? Awesome. No problem. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. That was awesome, and thanks for all the listeners for your, your love. I love you guys all. I love you all. Take care, George. Thanks, bro. All right, that is George LaRock, Edmonton sporting icon. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. He just missed playing in this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another texter says, what an incredible story. What an incredible person. Uh, definitely touched me. Um, and again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Uh, so we've had, a, we've had a good day. We've had George LaRock on, Joel Ward, as well as Brian Burke. We've got a couple pretty good texts on Brian Burke. But we, at this time, are going to go to this day in Oilers history. And it was a uh, it was a unique one to say the least, Mr. Escott. In 1996, when 10 different players scored for the Oilers in a 10-1 win over the Flames at the Canadian Airlines Saddle Dome in Calgary, Dean McCammond was the high point man with a goal and two assists. Dwayne Rollison and Trevor Kidd were the victimized goaltenders. Yeah, it was, uh, think about that, 10 different goal scorers in a game. And uh, 92-93 was the highest scoring year in uh, NHL history. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the Oilers uh, lighten it up. Of course, they made the playoffs in 96-97. Return to the NHL playoffs, upset the Dallas Stars in round one before losing to the Colorado Avalanche in round two. And then the next year, they came back from 3-1 down against Colorado when Curtis Joseph decided to uh, play the role of a wall. Did he, I know he pitched shutouts in games uh, uh, six and seven in that series against uh, outdueled Patrick Waugh. One of the great moments. Patrick. So uh, yesterday, Brendan, we talked a bit about uh, guys on rival teams that you really respected and liked. And for me, it was Jerome McGinnella. I was not, the, I'm not the biggest Patrick Waugh fan. He's a hell of a goaltender. 
I mean, he was one of the probably five best goalies of all time. But he knew he was one of the best five goalies of all time. We are going to give the last word via text on our Ashley Fine Floors text line to Hodgie. Bob, it is refreshing to hear a real and honest assessment of the NHL economic reality. You have a lot of great guests, but most of them focus on the league moving the goalposts and victimize the player. Brian Burke was the first one to point out the unique aspect of the NHL and the NHLPA being partners. There are not too many union employees who are partners with their employees. This and the fact that John uh, Shannon... Uh, intimated that there was a negotiated clause in which the NHLPA knew and agreed to the potential for the league to renegotiate. It tends to be overlooked as the players cry foul. Both groups need to do uh, what is needed to make the season a reality and stop the uh, pointing fingers. Uh, That comes to us from Haji. Well, and let's get through the weekend. And my guess is you'll see talks heat up next week. If they don't, Houston, we can have a problem like the Detroit Lions are having today. Uh, man, the Lions are they're they're having a tough go. It is official, a final. Uh, so, spoiler alert for those of you who uh, obviously are saddest in your own mind if you went ahead and uh, <laughs> PVR the, the Texans and the Detroit Lions. Uh, 41-25 for the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, four touchdown passes, 300 yards. Detroit turned the ball over a lot early in the first half. Coming up on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now, we are going to roll with, uh, we've got at least three guests. Elliot Freeman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at the River Cree Resort and Casino. Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta presenting the Western Canada Pacing Derby and the Don Byrne Memorial this Sunday at Century Mile Racetrack. A reminder, you can watch and wait on Alberta's top three-year-old Colts and Phillies at hbibet.com. That's hbibet.com. And Jack Michaels will be uh, on from the Oilers Radio Network. I am working on one more guest for tomorrow's show. Uh, Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night. I'm joining Reed. Do you know what else he's got uh, rolling with? Yeah, you're going to hear from uh, Drayton Valley Thunder head coach and GM Eric Thurston and former Edmonton football team linebacker, former Dallas Cowboys special teams captain, Singor Mobley. Wow, I used to have Singer Mobley come in a studio with me uh, back in the days of Total Sports with Mark Spector. And I worked with Eric Thurston from all of 2000 to 2008 during my days at the University of Alberta. Won two national championships as a head coach for the uh, Golden Bears. Five conference titles in six years. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen Nye. Have a terrific Thursday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.